I want to um, continue to, to bring, uh, to share from this uh, series that I've been uh, talking about the last couple of times that I preached um, on the gate of heaven. And so if you want to put up uh, kind of the, the key text that we've been looking at, it's Jacob's dream, the, the dream that, uh, that Jacob has, the vision of the ladder going up to heaven. And this is the, the key text in Genesis 28, verse 17. Jacob said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. I wonder if this morning we could say, repeat that verse out loud together this morning, just as a declaration of faith this morning. Uh, Let's all say it together. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Um, So just to kind of do a little bit of a a recap real quickly, Uh, the first message I spoke on, I I really uh, focused on this this text and how God's house, wherever God's house is, it is a gate, a gateway to heaven. Heaven is not just a place that we go to when we die, but it's a realm that we can experience right now this morning. This morning, we've not just come to a building. We've not just come to a church service. We've not just come to sing a few songs and listen to a preach. This morning, we have come to a gateway to heaven. This morning, we have access to healing, access to the miraculous, access to provision and freedom and and all the things that are in God's kingdom, heaven's kingdom. Amen. And then the last time I spoke a couple of weeks ago, um, we looked at, I think it was seven people in the end, who had encounters at gates in the Bible. Seven or maybe even eight people who, uh, they came to town gates or city gates and they had incredible encounters and we saw that there was a common theme that all of them showed unusual generosity, kindness, hospitality. And so we we talked about when we come to heaven's gate, which we've done this morning, it's an opportunity for us to give. It's an opportunity for us to to, to sow. It's an opportunity for us to be generous. And as we do that, we can live with an open gateway where not only we can access heaven, but heaven's blessing, heaven's provision can be poured into our lives. Amen. So uh, what I want to do this morning, this is the, the, the scripture that we've been looking at is, is in Genesis 28. I want us to go back a few chapters to look at Jacob's mum. And in uh, Jacob's mum was Rebecca. And so um, Isaac, Jacob's dad, marries Rebecca. And, um, and Rebecca receives this incredible prophetic word here in Genesis chapter 24, verse 60. This is a prophetic word, one of the very first prophetic words in the Bible. And it was given to Jacob's mum, Rebecca. And this is the, the promise, the prophecy. They bless Rebecca and they said to her, our sister, May you increase to thousands upon thousands and may your offspring possess the gates of their enemies. May your offspring possess the gates of their enemies. 
Now, when Rebecca would have received that prophetic word and, uh, and she heard that word enemy, she would have immediately thought of all the surrounding nations and tribes that would have come against God's people. But we know today as a church that our battle is not against flesh and blood, amen? Our battle is against principalities and powers. It's against Satan himself. It's, a, it's against the powers, the kingdom of darkness. And so here is the prophetic word that your offspring will possess the gates of their enemies. So we've been looking at the gate of heaven. Heaven has a gate. But do you know that the devil has a gate as well? And what I want to talk about this morning is the gates of the enemy or the gates of hell, the, the gates of, of Satan himself. And um, gates in the Bible were incredibly significant places because gates gave you access into a city, right? So if you were um, in, a, in, a, in a battle, if you were the defending, if you were defending a city, where would you make sure that your defences were the strongest? The gates, right? But if you were the offensive army, if you were trying to take a city, where would you attack? The gates. Because if you could get the gates, if you could win over the gates, then you could claim the kingdom. Then you could claim the city. So gates were all about influence. Whoever could influence, whoever could possess the gates, could possess the city. Now I think it was um, in the 1970s um, that someone, um, some Christian somewhere came up with, I don't know if it was a prophetic word or a line of thought, but it's, uh, they talked about the seven mountains of culture or the seven mountains of influence. And, and this language has, has been around since then. So the past 40, 50 years, people have used this kind of language in the church. And the idea behind this prophetic word or this prayer strategy was, that, was this, that in every culture, there are seven mountains, or we're, we're going to change the language a little bit and talk about seven gates or seven gateways. And if you could influence these seven mountains, or if you could access these seven gateways, then you could influence the thoughts of an entire generation. And you could basically affect all of culture. So, so these were the seven mountains, the seven mountains, although, well, again, we're going to use this language as seven gateways. Religion, the family, education, the government, media, arts and entertainment, and business. So these are seven gateways into our culture. Whoever controls these gateways can affect the thinking of an entire generation. Whoever has the loudest voice in these areas can speak into and form an entire society. So as we look back at our nation, maybe going back over many, many years, we can see that the church, the kingdom of God, had a huge impact, a huge influence in all of these areas. Would you agree? 
if you just study the, the, the history of our nation, the church, God's people, they were found in these gateways, having an impact, having an influence, changing our society. Our nation was known as a Christian nation that took the gospel to the ends of the earth. But remember, going back, ancient warfare, if you wanted to attack a city, if you wanted to win a kingdom, you attacked the gateways. And we have seen over the past decades that Satan, the kingdom of darkness, has been infiltrating these gateways. We see now in religion, in the church, not only do we have all kinds of different religions, but even the church has, 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 has gone into, in some places, heresy and compromise. We see now that, that God's definition of the family is now considered an extreme view. In education, some of the things that our children are being taught, it's scary stuff. We see in government that we've seen laws and legislations that have been passed that time after time have gone against uh, the, the truths of God's word we see now in media in arts and entertainment we see all kinds of immorality we see in business we see corruption and greed and selfishness and so each of these areas have now become the gates of the devil they become the gates of Satan. They become ways in which Satan has come in and infiltrated our society. But what's the good news? Go back to the prophecy. The good news is this. God said to Rebecca, if we can put the previous screen up. God said to Rebecca that your offspring will possess the gates of their enemies. Here is the good news. Here is the hope that God prophesied of a day when Rebecca's offspring would take over the gates of the enemy, that another kingdom would rule, that another government would take over, that the gates of the enemy would become the gate of heaven. So if we, if we go, um, if we go to uh, right to, to Jacob's original prophecy uh, of the ladder going up to heaven, let's read this again. Jacob had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. The angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So I want you to see this powerful picture. There's a ladder with angels going up and down and the top of the ladder is reaching heaven. The, the, humanity is reaching, it's got access to heaven. But what's the first thing to say? The bottom of the ladder is resting on the earth. So there's this powerful picture of at the gate of heaven, not only are we reaching heaven, but heaven is reaching earth. God's dream for his house. God's dream for his church is that not only will we be a ladder that touches heaven, and praise God, I believe we've touched heaven this morning in our praise and worship, but that's only part of the picture. God also wants our ladder to touch earth. He wants the kingdom, we've just been singing it, that God's kingdom, that heaven's kingdom will touch earth. God wants heaven to rest upon the earth. He wants his righteousness to rest upon the earth. He wants his truth 
to rest upon the earth. He wants his healing and his joy and his freedom and his life to touch the earth. God wants his kingdom to infiltrate and influence every sphere of society that what has been known as the kingdom of, as the gate of darkness would once again become known as the gate of heaven. Your offspring will possess the gates of your enemy. Rebecca had Jacob. Jacob had Judah. Judah, from the line of Judah came Jesus. And from Jesus comes us. Church, do we realize this morning that we have a mandate from heaven over our lives? We are not just here to play church. Come on, someone. We're not just here to have a holy huddle on a Sunday morning. We're not just here to sing a few songs and listen to a talk. We're not just here to be spiritual for an hour and a half every week. We're here to take over over the government of Satan. We're here to possess the gates of the enemy. We are here. We've got an assignment. We've got a calling. We've got an anointing. We've got a prophetic a prophetic word that we are here fulfilling right now. And that is to possess the gates of the enemy so that they would once again become the gates of heaven. Can someone say amen? There's a, there's a great scripture in, in Proverbs chapter 1. Um, in Proverbs chapter 1, it's speaking about wisdom. And wisdom is personified um, as a woman. And all the women said, Amen. And uh, I, I want you to, um, to um, let's just look at this verse for a moment. It says, Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. And at the city gate, she makes her speech. So um, here's the picture that wisdom is at the gates of the city. Wisdom is there, positioned at the gates, the most influential part of the city. And among all the hustle and the bustle and the noise, wisdom is raising her voice. Um, if you, if you um, we're not going to turn there, but I think it's in 2 Samuel. Um, you know David had a son called Absalom who tried to take over the kingdom. And it says that Absalom positioned himself at the gates. And when all the people came in and out of the gates, Absalom would say, oh, if only I was in charge. And it says, by doing that, he won the hearts of the people. He positioned himself at the gates and he raised his voice with a negative influence to try and steal the kingdom. Absalom knew, if I can be a voice of influence at the gates, I can take a city. And here, for positive wisdom, is being a voice of positive influence at the gates. And I want to speak to people here this morning who maybe you have an influence in one of those seven gateways. There are people here that are involved in education. There are people here that are involved in, in politics. Or some of us are involved in the religious gateway. There are people here that, that are involved in, in business, in arts, in entertainment. All these different gateways. I want to tell you this morning that God has positioned you 
in those gateways to be a voice of wisdom, to be a voice of truth, to be a voice of life, to be a voice of righteousness. You are not there by chance. You are not there by accident. But God has placed you, he's positioned you at those gates because how can we take a city by, by God having people in the gateways of the city, in these areas of influence, being that voice of wisdom, crying aloud, speaking and declaring a voice of truth and life and hope and righteousness and justice right there at the gates of the city. And someone say amen. Um, now, um, I can't speak on the gates of the enemy without uh, speaking on this verse in the, the New Testament. And this is not going to come up on the screen, so if you want to turn there um, to Matthew chapter 16. If you've got a Bible or you can just look it up on your phone or just listen. But Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But here's the, the million dollar question, isn't there? But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed to you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. In other words, Peter, you're not that smart to have thought this up by yourself. But I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now Jesus here is speaking and remember this is before the church has come into existence. So Jesus is actually prophesying. Right there Jesus in his mind's eye is looking ahead and he's imagining the church of the future. And what is the church that Jesus sees? Is it a small minority that's weak, that's defenseless, that's just, uh, that's just holding on, that uh, just has no influence whatsoever? I want to tell you that that is not the church that Jesus saw. The church that Jesus saw was an overcoming church. It was a victorious church. It was a strong, mighty, powerful, overcoming church. Jesus said the gates of Hades will not be able to overcome my church. Now I find this really interesting and really fascinating because I don't know if you've ever thought about, you've ever read this scripture and thought about it, but it, it maybe changes a little bit our way of thinking of how God sees things. So um, who knows that gates are, we've got some background music, that's wonderful. Um, we, who knows that gates are not, um, are not offensive, but gates are defensive, right? Does that make sense? Um, so I've watched 
um, you know, war movies, battle movies. I've seen people go to fight with, with guns, with swords, with spears, with tanks, with bombs. I have never seen anyone go into battle with some gates. Anyone else? No, gates are defensive. Gates are to keep someone or something out. Does that make sense? Jesus said the gates of Hades, the gates of, of, of the enemy will not overcome my church. You see, in our thinking, we sometimes think this, that the devil is on the move. The devil is taking over. The devil is coming after us. And we think that darkness is invading our land, darkness is invading our nation, that Satan is trying to influence and control everything. But and our job as a church is just to hold on to the little bit that we've got left. We're the defenders of the faith and we're here to protect our little bit of Christianity that's still left in the United Kingdom. But that is not the picture that Jesus portrayed. In fact, Jesus flips it. Instead, Jesus pictures a devil that's holding on, a devil that's trying to defend his territory and he pictures a church that is on the move. He pictures a church that's militant. He pictures a church that's an army. He pictures a church that's offensive. He, not offensive, but you know what I mean. In terms of a church that's got a go in it. A church that's apostolic. A church that's missional. A church that's pioneering. A church that's marching on the gates of hell. Taking the gospel. Taking the, the love of Jesus. Taking hope. Taking truth. And marching on the gates of hell. And Jesus said, hell's gates will not be able to stand a church like that. Picture the scene. There's, there's the devil in the gateway. In all these gateways of education and business and politics and the arts and, and all these different areas. And there's a church that's going for it. There's a church full of fire, full of passion with the call of God. And it's marching on these gateways, taking righteousness, taking truth, taking the gospel. And those gates collapse as the church advances on the powers of hell and the gates of hell become the gates of heaven. Amen. Let me give you another, another prophetic word that pictures this so strongly. If we want to flip um, not to the, to the next one. This is a, a prophecy. The reference is wrong, actually. This is, it says Acts 17 at the bottom. This is actually in Micah chapter 2. Uh, but this is an Old Testament prophecy. Where God says, I will surely gather all of you, Jacob. I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I will bring them together like sheep in a sheepfold. Like a flock in its pasture. The, people will, the, people, the place will throng with people. Then look at this verse. The one who breaks open the way will go up before them. They will break through the gate and go out. Their king will pass through before them. The Lord at their head. There's a picture here, a powerful picture of a king who's mighty, who's victorious, that's got authority, the king of kings, the lord of lords. And what's this king doing? He's marching on the gates of his enemies. And who's that king? Jesus. But this king is not going out alone. There's an army coming up behind him. 
And what does it say? The one who breaks open the way will be go before them. That's us, by the way. That's a church. But they will break through the gate and go out. Jesus goes ahead of us, but he expects us to go through the gates of the enemy to possess them. How many times do we look at our society and we pray, and it's good to pray, but we expect God to do all the work? We pray, God, move in our government. God, move in, in business. God, move in our school system. God, would you uh, move in our, in our media? And we, we expect God to do it all. No, the Bible's clear. It says Jesus will go ahead of us. Jesus will prepare the way. But then he looks behind him where there's an army of people, a church of people. And we're the ones going into these gates of the enemy. And we're the ones possessing the gates. We're the ones bringing the kingdom of heaven. It's a partnership. Jesus said, I will build my church, but I give unto you the keys of the kingdom. We've got the keys of his kingdom this morning. We're going to the gates of the enemy, bringing the gate of heaven, bringing the kingdom of heaven. All of them coming together. This is not a message just for one or two. It's a message for all of us this morning. What would happen if as a church we realized every one of us there's a purpose on our lives. Every one of us has a mandate to go to places of influence and listen, a place of influence, it not, might not be 10 Downing Street, it might be your next door neighbor. Wherever there's people, there's an influence. And we go to, to these places of influence and we go with our king going ahead of us. And we're going, bringing another kingdom, bringing the love of God, the life of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of righteousness. So before we move on from, from this verse, um, I want you to notice what this army is like. It's an army of sheep. Now, who knows that is not very intimidating. <laughs> Although it might be. In fact, I can't think of anything more horrendous than being surrounded by an army of sheep. But anyway, um, uh, it's an army of sheep. What are sheep like? They're humble. They're meek. In other words, when you storm the gates of the enemy, you're not going in aggressively. It's not a protest march, but you go in in a sheep. You go in with humility. You go in to serve. You go in with love. You go in with generosity. Many times when the church has stormed the gates of hell, we've gone with, uh, with self-righteousness. We've gone to condemn. We've gone to criticize. We've gone with placards saying, turn or burn. But actually Jesus is saying, no, when you march through the gates of the enemy, you go as sheep. You go not with a sword, but you go with a towel ready to wash people's feet. You go with humility and meekness and love and kindness and compassion. And as you do that, your king will go ahead of you. He's the one with the power. He's the one with the authority. And you'll possess the gates of the enemy. Amen. Now, I want to I go back um, to Matthew 16 and, and this revelation, this prophetic word Jesus has. I will build my church. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I wonder if we could, um, if we could go to the previous screen, the picture. Because the Bible says that this happened 
in a place called Caesarea Philippi. And what I've got here is a picture, a modern day picture, um, of Caesarea Philippi. It's a place that you can go to today if you ever uh, visit Israel. And it's no coincidence that it was here at Caesarea Philippi that Jesus made this statement. Caesarea Philippi was a place that was known for idol worship. So if you look at that picture, you can see that there are kind of, um, there are kind of grooves dug into the rock. Can you see that? And there, there were places where people would put their idols. So Caesarea Philippi, it was under Gentile control. It was probably the furthest away from Jerusalem that Jesus ever took his disciples. It was a place that was known historically as a place of idol worship. And at the base of the cliff, can you see that there's, a, there's a, a, um, the mouth of the cave there down at the bottom? Well, back when Jesus was, was around 2,000 years ago, the, out of the mouth of that cave came a river. And they believed that the mouth, uh, the mouth of that cave was the gateway to the underworld. So they believed that to access evil spirits, to access the powers of darkness, to access all these gods, you did it through that gateway. So that gateway was known as the gate of Hades. It was known as the gate of hell. And at that gateway, in order to kind of appease all these evil spirits and all these false gods, all kinds of horrendous, sinful things took place. There was prostitution. There was all kinds of perversion, things that, that we wouldn't even, uh, I don't even want to mention this morning. But it was basically a place of occultic, satanic activity. Today, probably the, maybe if you think of like the red light district in Amsterdam, but then multiply it by a million. That was Caesarea Philippi. But so Jesus takes his disciples literally to the gates of hell. To the most sinful darkest place that he could take his disciples a place where satan reigned a place of perversion immorality sinfulness and right there jesus said i will build my church and he looked in the mouth of that cave and said those gates will not overcome what i'm going to build those gates will not overcome the church that I'm going to raise up. On this rock, I will build my church. Now, for 2,000 years, theologians have wondered, what was the rock that Jesus was talking about? Historically, many theologians said that the rock was Peter. So on Peter, the rock, I will build my church. 
But other theologians have rejected that, although a lot of Catholics still hold to that interpretation. Other theologians have rejected that and said, they've said, no, the rock was, was the revelation that Peter had. The revelation, you are the Christ. On this rock, on the, uh, this rock of revelation, I will build my church. But I want to suggest to you another interpretation. Look at the picture. Caesarea Philippi is basically a massive rock. Jesus takes his disciples to the gates of Hades, to a place of darkness, a place of sin, a place of immorality, a place of, of, of perversion, the most darkest, blackest place, the most evil place you could think of. Jesus takes his disciples there and he says, right here on this rock, I am going to build my church. My church is not going to be hiding away in a corner somewhere. My church is not just going to be a group of people singing Kumbaya a million miles from where the danger is. But right here at the gates of hell, my church is going to be. Right here where the sin is at its most sinful, my church is going to be. Right here where Satan has his biggest influence, my church is going to be. I am going to plant a church right at the gates of hell. And hell will not be able to overcome the church that I'm going to build. This is what Jesus saw. That right at the most demonic, satanic place, Jesus said, right here, I'm going to build my church. Right here, I'm going to establish my kingdom. Right here, where Satan thinks that he's got control, I'm going to bring my government. And my government's going to win. My church is going to win. My kingdom is going to take over. Hallelujah. Who do you say that I am? Picture the scene. The disciples are there and all around them, up on the, on the, the rock, are all these idols. All these shrines, all these idols to these false gods. And as Jesus looks around at all these idols, he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter looks up and he sees all the shrines, all the false gods, all the idols. And he looks back at Peter. Uh, sorry, he looks back at Jesus and says, you're the Christ. You are the son of of the living God. Right there in this place surrounded by idols, Peter declared another king, another kingdom, the one true God, the living God, the hope of all the world. And right here we have a picture of our assignment as a church. Monday morning, tomorrow morning, many of us are going to gates that are controlled by the enemy. And we go to places that are surrounded by idols, but we go proclaiming another king. We go proclaiming another kingdom. We go demonstrating a different lifestyle. We go as that voice of truth, that voice of wisdom, that voice of life, that voice of hope. And Jesus says, if you, if you position yourself right there at hell's gates, declaring my kingdom, my kingdom's going to win going to win through you 
Come on, this is exactly what Darren was speaking about last week. Being light carriers. Going into the dark places. Going into the places that where, where, where the kingdom of darkness reigns. And taking, like David was speaking about, taking that kingdom of light, the name of Jesus. Seeing the gates of the enemy becoming the gates of heaven. Amen. Okay, just got a few, a few more minutes. Um, let's just look at... Um, just look quickly at two more scriptures. Let's, um, again, if you've got a Bible, you turn with me to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at a time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. He is a man and he's at the religious gate. He's at the gate of the temple. And this man is crippled. He needs a miracle. But of course, there's no power at the religious gate. There's no miracle at the religious gate. So he's just placed there, positioned there every day to beg. But along come Peter and John. Even though this was the Jewish temple, and now that system has, has been done away with. Now they're part of the church, but they're still going to the religious gate. They're still trying to have an influence in this gate and they go there and here's a man lame with a need sat at the gate who knows that every day we meet people with needs who knows that at all of these gates whatever gate it may be there are people full of needs people broken by sin people desperate for hope and Peter makes this statement he says to the man look at us Look at us. Why did he say that? Because as we've, as we've already been looking at, God's house is a gateway to heaven. Amen? Wherever God's house is, there is access to the kingdom of heaven. But where is God's house? It's not the temple. It's not this school hall. It's not even our new building that's going to be built. God's house is you. We are the temple. God lives in us by his Holy Spirit. So if you are God's house, that means that you are the gate of heaven. That means that when people encounter you, they are coming to a gateway where they have access to the power, the life, the freedom, and the miracle working power of Jesus. Yeah. 
So Peter said to, these, to this man, look at us. You're looking at a gateway. I've got the answer to your need. I'm the solution to your problem. I've got the name of Jesus. I've got the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we turn the gates of the enemy into the gate of heaven? By each one of us being a gate of heaven. Each one of us at the gate of the enemy being an answer, being a solution, bringing hope where people need it the most. Amen? Because who knows it's all about people. I want to close with this scripture. It's in the book of Isaiah chapter 45. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, his right hand I take hold of, to subdue nations before him, to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. So again, there's this picture of God's anointed. That's us marching on the gates of the enemy, tearing down the gates of darkness. But then look at this. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. Behind the gates of the enemy, there is treasure that is in darkness. And God wants that treasure back. And what is that treasure? It's not silver or gold, it's people. There are people right now in darkness, in the gates of the enemy. And Jesus is saying, I want, those, I want my kids back. I want to bring hope to those who are in darkness. I want to bring salvation to those who are behind the gates of the enemy. How is that going to happen? I'm looking for a church who's going to march on those gates of the enemy. I'm looking for a church who's going to be a gate of heaven where Satan has his gates. I'm, going to, I'm looking for a church who's going to be that voice of wisdom, that voice of hope, that voice of truth at the gates of the enemy. I'm looking for light carriers. I'm looking for carriers of God's kingdom to march on the gates of the enemy to overcome the gates of the enemy and to see the gates of the enemy become the gates of heaven